0: Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. I'm so glad you've joined me. But You know, you can really help me by hitting that like button down at the bottom of your screen. This will help us to get more circulation for the podcast, and I would appreciate it if you do that. And then tell somebody about this. Pick up the phone, call somebody, or email somebody. Send a text, send a link to somebody as to how to find this. And then if you haven't done it already, be sure you go to MyFaithRoots.com and subscribe to our daily email devotion. Now I send this out every day to go right along with this message so it'll help you to keep record of all the things we've covered. All right, what is faith? We're going to a totally different angle on these last two lessons on this particular subject. Ephesians 6.16, above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, we're going to discuss faith today as it pertains to the devil. Uh, We've been focusing on how we have faith and we operate in faith personally, uh, how we relate to God, how we relate to our family and friends, how we use faith in our relationships. But now we're going to talk about how we use faith against the powers of darkness. Interestingly, the Apostle Paul doesn't place this dealing with the devil at the beginning of his letter to the Ephesians. It's at the very end. And there is a priority list in the order of things that are important. Paul starts with your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is more important than your relationship, say, even with your spouse. Now, now, uh, that means that you've got to follow God first. If you follow God first, you will be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent. We have priorities in our relationships, and that's what Paul follows. He goes down through Ephesians, and it's one priority, then the next priority, but they all are in descending order, and the last thing he comes to is how we deal with the devil. You can see the same thing with James, the half-brother of Jesus, in James chapter 4 and verse 7, therefore submit to God, most important relationship. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He doesn't lead with, resist the devil, he will flee from you, and by the way, submit to God. He does it just the opposite because if you're not submitted to God, you will not have the power to resist the devil. Jesus did the same thing with the 70 disciples who went out to proclaim his message around the land of Israel, Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Behold, he said, I, or he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and then he says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So he's saying when you go out into the world and you encounter demonic powers, know this, that I'm, I'm giving you authority over them. Nevertheless, he said, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So we rejoice in our relationship with God. As a byproduct of a right relationship with God, we have authority over the devil. But if you have no relationship with God, or a weakened relationship with God, or or an incomplete understanding of your relationship with God, then your authority over the devil is not going to be as strong as it should be. Now, Jesus taught, nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's saying that no power of the enemy will be able to overcome you. Uh, Earlier he said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, uh, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Christ taught us that we could not be overcome by the enemy. A lot of people like to make the devil an equal of God on the dark side. That's not the case. Satan is an angel. He is a created being. He is a fallen angel. He's not as powerful as he once was. Now he has a primary power that is to deceive. And And he has to use deception to overcome you. The Bible says uh, we have to be on guard against the wiles of the devil. Anybody who has to use wiles to beat you or tricks to beat you is a person who can't run roughshod over you. You know, I've, I've, I've used football illustrations quite often, and uh, I'm a little partial to that. Uh, but uh, at Lincoln Christian School, for instance, there have been a number of years where we have had really big linemen and a really strong running back. And when that happened, uh, we could just line up and run right at people, and uh, they couldn't stop us. But most years, uh, we're not that big, and we have to use trickery to beat people. And that's why we have over a 100 different offensive formations. It's because most of the time, we're not as big as the team we play against. And we have to beat them by hitting them where they're not. And uh, that's what the devil has to do. He has to hit us where we're not. He has to hit and, and deceive us because he can't run over you. He would love to, but he can't do it. He has to trick you. And he actually works you against yourself, And when you understand that, you can learn how not to cooperate with him. He works you against yourself. Remember that. That's what Satan does. Now, there's no place in the Scripture that we're told to pray to God about the devil. Now, we already read James 4, 7, uh, Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Listen to Mark 16 and verse 17. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. It doesn't say we will pray to God and he casts out the demon. It says we cast out the demon. Here's Ephesians 4, 27. Neither give place to the devil. Well, the understood subject of that sentence is you. You Neither give place to the devil. It doesn't say, ask God to get the devil out. It doesn't say that. It says, you neither give place to the devil. And then let's look at 1 uh, Peter chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Now, he's not a roaring lion. He likes to pretend to be one. Seeking whom he may devour... Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So we are told four times in the New Testament, we have direct authority over Satan. You don't have authority over people, but you do have authority over Satan. And when you recognize his works it is appropriate to take authority over his works and to resist him with the proper weapon. And that's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, Satan has an arena that he loves to fight in. When my boys were in high school, they went to a little Christian school that had an outstanding basketball team, but we also had a very tiny gym. Uh, to three, shoot a three-point shot, you had to stand on your tiptoes. There was almost no room outside that three-point line in the sideline. And our kids learned how to use that small gym to their advantage. They can move up and down that court at lightning speed. And we had a great home court advantage because we were thoroughly familiar with our court Well, Satan is very much the same way. He loves to set up the chessboard ahead of time so that he has an advantage over you. And uh, you can see that he has this aim. He wants to take you into a particular arena he wants to get you in the arena of thoughts. And that's so very important for you to understand. All right, listen to this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, Genesis 3.1, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Now, now what's he doing? He's provoking thought. He's asking a question that demands that you think to give an answer. And what he hopes to do is get Eve into deep contemplation, because if he can get you into deep contemplation, he can defeat you. And I want to turn you to the book of Job, and this is a very old book. It may be the oldest book of the Bible. Uh, and, and what I want to bring that out for is that Job didn't have a lot of teaching and in, in writing to refer back to to resist Satan, so he was at a great disadvantage. There was nothing that he could say. For instance, when Satan tempted him, he could not say, it is written because there was nothing written at the time that this book was penned. All right, so we know that Satan launched an attack against Job, and he hit Job in every possible way. So I'm going to start reading Job 1.13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God, that's lightning, fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you now i hope you see the pattern here there was a double attack an attack of circumstances and we read about that how that the devil used people and he used weather Twice he used weather, twice he used people. And that's why Jesus rebuked a storm because Satan is the prince of the power of the air and he still loves to use the weather to do his bidding and to accomplish his purposes. So Satan attacked with circumstances. But then he made sure that there was one person left to launch the secondary attack, and this is the mental attack. Now there are times when Satan attacks first mentally, that's the very first thing that he does. He comes at you with a fearful thought and a fearful thought and a fearful thought even though nothing's happened, and he hits you with that fear over and over again. That is a very real attack of the enemy. And here's where a lot of people mess up. A lot of people are absolutely silent. They don't respond at all. They don't understand that Satan has done all of this in order to lure you into an arena of thought. He wants to get Job to doubt. He wants Job to begin to ask questions. Why is this happening? And uh, the the devil tried to take Job to the extreme of saying that God was unjust and that God was evil and he no longer had faith in God. That's where Satan wanted to take Job. Job did not go there. Job never allowed his limited understanding to get him to make an accusation against God. And I've been in ministry right at 50 years, and this is what I've seen. Time and time and time again, one of the greatest things that people do or most frequent things people do when an attack comes against them is to blame God and they get mad at God. I can't tell you how many people I have seen leave the church because they were mad at God because something happened in their lives they did not understand and it was God's fault. Somehow God let them down and they had a grudge against God. Now, it might show up as criticism of the church or criticism of the pastor. It might show up in some other form. But the ultimate uh, criticism that they had was a criticism against God. Job, even though he had a limited understanding and he was not accurate in all of his assessments of the attacks that were sent against him, Job never got mad at God. So Satan was trying to lure him into the arena of thought. And so what does he do? Then these comforters come to Job, and what do they have? They have all kinds of philosophies, and they're, they're spilling all of their thoughts. There are a few things that they said that were accurate, and that's what's so dangerous sometimes about even your brothers and sisters in Christ, that they may say some things to you that, that are somewhat accurate. They may quote a scripture that's absolutely true. But the overall gist of where they're trying to take you is to get you into an arena of thought. And it's not that we don't think, and it's not that our faith is irrational because it isn't but I'll say this to you, you will never engage Satan in the arena of your mind and outwit him with your thinking. Now, trust me, the thoughts of God are accurate, and they are reasonable. They are not silly, they're not stupid, and they are based on facts. But you do not have to enter into a lengthy mental dispute with the devil to beat him. And you can see this in the way that Jesus resisted the devil. And that's what we're going to discuss in the next lesson. We don't have time to cover it in this one. But Satan wants to bring you into the thought realm. And I remember when I was a baby Christian and first received Jesus, when the devil came at me with those thoughts, I had no defense I thought and thought and thought and reasoned and reasoned and reasoned. And I felt depressed and I felt despair. I felt like God had forsaken me and Satan told me that God forsook me, that there really wasn't a God. How come I felt him only at church? And when I would get away from church and get at school, I I didn't feel God like I did at church. And it was incredible how the devil messed with my mind but I got smart because I learned how to resist him so that later, even when I was at school and when I was by myself and when I wasn't at church, I still had great victory because I learned how to think according to the Word of God. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we will pick this up tomorrow, and we're going to wrap up this series with a victory that overcomes the world, the flesh, and the devil, even our faith. Thanks.